It's the Face of Chicago Business Podcast, introducing you to the stories behind the faces, focused on fixing today's problems with thoughtful leadership and purposeful living. Sit down with us as we get to know the individuals who make our city second to none. How you guys doing? I'm Tony Arce, and this is the Face of Chicago Business Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Illinois super lawyer, Vanessa Hammer. Vanessa, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I know you're originally from Houston. Yes. Tell me, tell me a little bit about um, how you got to come to Chicago, practice law here. Well, I came to Chicago because I got married, and my then fiance um, was in his last year of law school at DePaul. Okay. And I had finished law school at University of Houston, and I thought I hadn't lived anywhere else, so I might as well come up here and see what happens. But that was a little bit of a culture shock. A huge culture shock. <laughs> <laughs> Texas is very different from everywhere else, right? Texas, Texans love Texans, yeah. Texas, and yes, and so it's definitely a whole nother place unto itself. So did you practice law at all before, in, in Houston, before you came up here? In, when I came here in 2006, no, I had just graduated from, from law school. I took the bar exam in Texas in July of 2006. And then I moved to Chicago in August of 2006. Oh, so right away. Right away. Yeah, yeah. Um, and as you were telling me before, uh, you, you ended up moving back at some point to, in 2014, right? I did. So you spent eight years here. Um, and I found it interesting that you mentioned how you missed home so much. And that seemed to be on your mind for a long time. But as soon as you left, you were there for, what, two years? Uh, two, two years. And yes. then you missed Chicago, right? <laughs> <laughs> I missed Chicago. I did. I, I feel like the eight years that I spent here was uh, a, a very significant time in my life. Yeah. Um, I had gotten married. I came up in my practice. We had a baby here. And um, so as much as I wanted to go home all those years, once I finally did, I realized that maybe I had changed. Maybe home had changed. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and certainly the practice was different in Texas than it was in Chicago. So we made a decision to come back. Yeah. Um, that's, I mean, I think that's amazing because I love Chicago and to hear other people say that, you know, wh- what is it that, that you miss most, I guess, about, about being here? I think I miss the, I feel like Chicagoans are very friendly, um, you know, the, the outdoor music festivals, the, the love of being outdoors. Um, probably for being shut in for (laughs) a few months in the winter maybe lends itself to everyone liking to get together and just the the summertime I know it's probably cliche but the summertime makes up for all the time that we spend you know stuck indoors in the winter time I just feel like there's just a lot of a lot of camaraderie here um that that I feel like I didn't I was missing yeah, I bet. I mean, that's what I see and hear from a lot of people. It's just that the summertime is making everything worth it. I mean, I, I believe that, but that's only because I'm from here. Yeah. Um, what about the food? I'm, I'm always curious, and I ask people, like, what the difference is as far as, like, home, like food, at, food from home versus food from Chicago. Well, food from Chicago is certainly different. Apples and oranges. Yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> um, you know, love my Tex-Mex food, um, but as far as coming to Chicago... You know, the culinary scene, I think, is just amazing. There's the the diversity that um, that's there for you know, any type of food that you that you want. Go to any kind of neighborhood, um, you'll find food from all over the world, pretty that's much. Right. Yep. And um, not to say that 
there isn't the same in Houston. It's certainly different. I feel like the, the food scene is, is a lot bigger here. Sure. Mm-hmm. Now, practicing law, um, you mentioned also that, uh, well, your baby's not a baby anymore, right? No, he'll be 10 years old <laughs> next week. <laughs> uh, so, so what is it like to, to practice law up here, considering that um, you know, you've also been through, through the family law system yourself, haven't you? I have, um, as much as you know, you, it's, it's painful to make that kind of decision. Um, my, my ex-husband and I have been divorced since 2014 and we had what I would call an amicable divorce because he is also a divorce attorney. (laughs) And so we knew what, once that decision was made, we knew what we didn't want to have happen to our family. Uh, we consider it as a new phase of our family. We're still a family, just a little bit different. And we knew that we didn't want to have a, a situation where there was arguing, fighting, animosity, and so that our son could know that he is loved and cared for by both of his parents. That's so amazing. It's so important. I'm, I commend you guys for doing that. And, <laughs> Thank you. You know, uh, yeah, I just think it's awesome. <laughs> now, well, I'm sure it wasn't easy to, to still have to go through that, right? No, it was not. No, um, I've been through it. I know a lot of people go through it. What, what, what got you through it? You know, what, in those really, really tough times that, um, where it's just difficult, right? To get up in the morning or not be depressed. Right. Well, it, it is, it's a, it's a blow to, you know, your, your ego, your psyche, um, all of it. And, um, it's a very emotional time. I think what helped was seeing a, a therapist for myself and also, um, my ex-husband and I went to therapy together for about 14 months. Right after the divorce? Um, or, before. Um, oh, wow. Before we divorced. Okay. Um, just to make sure that this was the decision that we wanted to make, um, that needed to be made even, um, and so that we could learn how to communicate with each other so that um, post-divorce we could... Um, be able to communicate and, and co-parent our, our son. And I credit our ability to co-parent with each other with our commitment to to go to therapy together as a couple, not so much to get back together, but so that we can learn to to, to cooperate. That's amazing. And have you always been like that? I mean, I, I pick <laughs> up that you have a very like calm sense about you. Oh, thank you. Which I'm sure helps you in your practice. <laughs> but have you always been this calm and this logical about everything? Well, my parents were divorced when I was eight years old and it was very acrimonious and I would say I mean even uncomfortable until I was probably in my 30s wow (laughs) yeah so coming from that that background I knew that if this was the the decision that we were going to make you know between my ex-husband and I that I didn't want my son to feel the same way that I did when I was little growing up and parents couldn't even go to the dance recital and Mm. you know one parents on one side of the room and the others on the other at the end of the recital where do I go yeah you know so never wanted our son to have to feel like he had to choose because we are his parents always regardless of what our marital status is and how was that for you I mean I'm sure emotionally probably wasn't the best No, I mean, it, it's certainly, like I said, it's, it's difficult. It's emotionally draining. You feel like you have failed. Um, and I feel like my ex-husband would probably say the same. Um, but I think ultimately we, we decided together, and I give him a lot of credit as well, that he um, has really been on board to, um, 
to make sure that, that we do everything we can, that our son is the focus of everything that we do together as a new family. And what's your son's name? Felix. <laughs> I like Felix. That's a cool <laughs> name. Um, what's Felix into? Felix is into soccer. Okay. He is into rugby. Wow. How, how did he get into that? <laughs> um, well, he likes to watch these sports channels. I don't know. We have a million sports channels, but um, he got into rugby, decided to, to I didn't watch even know it. kids could, like, that they have leagues for that. They do, actually. Wow. And if it weren't for COVID, he would have um, started with a league in Glen Ellen. Okay. Um, they have a, a league for, for kids 10 and up, so... He was really looking forward to that, but, oh, I bet. um, you know, we travel as a family together as well, even though we're, we're divorced. And so, um, a year ago we went to England and, um, you know, was there, yeah. it is. <laughs> so did you get to go to a match? We saw one from afar. We couldn't, we couldn't get in, but it was fun to kind of watch from the hilltop. So you couldn't get in. So it's, it is a big deal. It was packed. Yep. Wow. See, I wouldn't mm-hmm. expect that because soccer is so big there. Yeah. We took a side trip to Bath, England okay. and Bath rugby was playing. And it, I mean, the whole stadium was packed, so, yeah. but it was fun. Well, such a, I, mean, I mean, it's amazing that you guys are such awesome parents and that you, you know, you put your son first. Uh, the, uh, have you always wanted to be a lawyer? I mean, obviously your experience as a kid shaped you mm-hmm. to be who you are, but mm-hmm. was that the catalyst behind becoming a lawyer and, you know, being this way with your son? Actually, no. No? <laughs> no. At, well, growing up, I wanted to be a doctor. And I majored in chemistry for two years in undergrad. Um, <laughs> no way. I, <laughs> I, I didn't did. know that. And, um, and then I had this moment of revelation. And I said, if I don't get into medical school, what am I going to do? And um, it took a little soul searching there at 19 or 20, however old I was, was at the time. Mm-hmm. And I went into liberal arts. I took a class in Mexican-American studies. And there was a, a, pu- a public policy concentration where it was really focused on um, public affairs, legislative affairs, educational pipeline type um, courses. Mm-hmm. A lot of them were writing courses, which really interested me a lot because I really love to write. And it just kind of went from there. And I ended up getting my degree in Mexican-American studies with the public policy concentration undergrad. Okay. And even then I didn't want to be a lawyer yet. <laughs> so what, what was the, the switch or the light bulb moment? After graduation, I went to, from undergrad, I went to work at the Texas legislature in the House of Representatives for a state representative. I started as a legislative aide, and then I went back at, uh, at a sec- the subsequent session and uh, to be his legislative director. And we would take calls from constituents. They had all these issues that they wanted the, the state rep to address, and uh, I was realizing that they didn't need the state rep. What they needed was a lawyer to help them. And it was anything from uh, landlord-tenant issues to um, issues with the homeowners association, um, personal injury, had an accident, I need somebody to help me, but they didn't know who to call, but they would call their state representative. Mm. And so we were fielding all these calls and I said, you know, and I felt bad that I couldn't help them. And I said, well, maybe the way that I help people is to become a lawyer myself. So Wow. That's a very noble, noble thought and action, you know, to, to follow it. So um, that's amazing. I mean, obviously, a very caring person. Seems like you care a lot about people. I do. I love people. <laughs> um, what is it too that I guess drives you now in terms of practicing family law and wanting to see, you know, people not get into these big legal disputes? Like, what what is it that 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 drives you to do what you do? 
Well, it's exactly what you said. I care about people. And maybe my practice is a little bit different. I don't, I don't treat my clients as just another person who comes to me with a problem. These are people who come to me in very emotional states of mind. Probably the worst thing that's happened to them probably in their entire life. For sure. Um, and not only yeah. them, but to bring their children with them too. I, I take it as a very, very um, big responsibility to shepherd these people through a very um, scary time. Not everyone knows the law. <laughs> and there's a lot of misinformation out there. There's Google that, you know, <laughs> people Google things. And, and TV and, shows. And like. TV shows, law and order, everything. Um, you know, people are afraid. Yeah. And so it's because I want to, number one, take care of these people during a time of crisis because it's their crisis. But then also to shepherd them through in a, in a logical way. And that does the least amount of harm to not only them, but to, to their children, which is really my focus. Again, having been there mm-hmm. myself um, as a child of divorce and also as a divorced person, it really matters to me that whatever we do, we do it in a way that causes the least damage to a family. Oh, that's amazing to hear that. It's so important. Um, you brought up Mexican-American studies. Yes. So you're Mexican? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> What is it like in terms of being, uh, well, Mexican-American, but also Latina uh, from your perspective, also from like being from Texas? It's a, it's a different, d- different experience altogether being Latina there than it is here, I'm assuming. I think so. Yeah. Yes. How, how is it being a woman and being a Latina in, you know, in the legal system? Well, it's still a very male-dominated profession. And... Um, that I think sometimes is, is a deterrent maybe to, to some people. Um, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but... To get into it, you mean into the practice? Well, to, to get into the practice and you, you, you deal with a lot of, you know, it's, it's a male-dominated profession, mm-hmm. so you deal with a lot, of, a lot of men, a lot of older men. Um, when I first started practicing law, uh, I was admittedly a little bit intimidated. Um, however... You know, when I worked at the legislature, it was sort of the same. It's still a male-dominated uh, profession, a male-dominated culture, and you just have to learn to stand up and, and start talking. Um, but having practiced law here in Chicago, I came here, I didn't know anyone. I didn't have a mentor. I didn't have um, any kind of person to take me under their wing. And so I really had to kind of step it up and, and kind of make sure that my voice was heard. Um, after practicing for a year, I went to work, um, at at a different law firm and, and I'm very grateful that the partner there really provided the mentorship that I needed. And he was, you know, older guy. Um, but he had a lot of faith in me and I feel like, um, because of that, it really helped me blossom into the attorney that I am today. That's amazing. You, you bring up uh, the mentorship aspect of it, which I know we talked earlier a little bit about how you felt like you couldn't reach out or, you, you know, that it was almost seen as a failure if you were to reach out to someone. And obviously now you look back and probably would help to have a mentor. Can you talk a little bit about that in terms of that, that feeling that you had and, you know, where it came from of why you felt like you couldn't reach out to, 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 to someone to help? Right. And, well, I speak from, from my my perspective, you know, growing up in, in Texas, growing up in a, uh, you know, Hispanic household, uh, the, the sense that I got, and it was never said to me directly, but the sense that I got was you need to work hard, 
pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Don't ask anybody for any favors. And the sense was, even though it was never said directly, but that if you ask for help or if you ask, call in a favor or, you know, try to um, use connections, that you're not really working hard. You're, you're skipping a few steps. You're, you're taking the easy route. And so that made it difficult for, you know, in, in business when you, you, you start to want to build those professional networks and connections. And you really, especially in the legal area where getting business means you have to go out and build relationships. Absolutely. Um, having that attitude of not wanting to ask anyone for help or ask for favors is, um, you know, is actually prohibitive. So, um, again, what, what changed for you in that? I think what changed for me, and, and it started when I was when I started working at the legislature, where you kind of realize that the way that bills get in legislation gets introduced and carried through to actually go into law takes a lot of relationship building. It takes a lot of talking, a lot of networking. You have lobbyists that come in. You know, I, I was always fascinated by the lobbyists. They'd come in, they have their agenda. Hey, um, is, is representative so-and-so here? I'd like to talk to him. Well, he's not here. Well, let me talk to you because you're his legislative director and you can let him know I said ABC, you know? So then that's when you, I really started to see that the relationship building is something that's really important, not just in legislation, but in anything you do. And what would you tell your younger self or someone, you know, watching and kind of maybe with the same thoughts or, or being told, you know, the mm-hmm. same things that, that, that you felt um, not being able to approach someone? What I would tell my younger self, don't be shy. Yeah. <laughs> don't be shy. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't be afraid to use a connection. Uh, don't be afraid to use a connection to make an introduction somewhere because hindsight tells me now I may not know somebody but the person I know might know the people the person that I need to know to be able to you know be successful in business to carry my idea to to the next level something like that for sure um and so I would tell my younger self don't be afraid to to use those connections build those connections because they're important in the same way that that you're connected with your family and you keep up with them and hey it's your birthday. Um, you do that with your business contacts because if you keep making that contact, they remember who you are, and you're not just another, you know, a business card in their billfold. That's so true. I mean, I think when you personalize like that, it, it almost one of the question I was going to ask is if, if you are that shy person, mm-hmm. how, how do you overcome being shy? I mean, I know it's just you know, <laughs> just speak up or you know, but if if you feel that discomfort, you know, how do you get over that? But I, I do think it's it's invaluable to, to view people as, you know, as, as friends, as relationships. Mm-hmm. Hey, it's your birthday. I you know, care, reaching out. Would you say that was the biggest uh, way you overcame your shyness? I think so. And, and I think also having the attitude that, um, that everybody want, wants a friend, <laughs> that everybody wants to be able to make a connection. If you're in a, in a networking setting, People are there to make a connection. So don't be afraid to walk up to somebody and introduce yourself because they're all there for the same purpose. It's not like, you know, you're in seventh grade in the lunchroom and you want to walk up to the cool kids. Well, they're not interested in talking to anybody but themselves. But if you're at a networking event, they're there for the same reason. So don't be shy. That's great advice. (laughs) Now, uh, in terms of mentoring, obviously, looking back, you wish you you would have reached out and had uh, maybe more mentorship. 
what are you looking for now in terms of, I know you brought up before uh, that you'd like to be a mentor mm-hmm. um, and to mentor you know, young people, but um, is there a specific type of person that you'd love to mentor more than, more than others? Or um, I, I really enjoy mentoring younger attorneys now or just anyone in general, but specifically younger attorneys and it doesn't matter if they're male or female because I think, you know, I have 14 years of experience. I have, um, you know, if I can make the job a little bit easier for someone else, happy to do that. Um, but in particular, um, I, I, I like to, to mentor young Latina, uh, students, whether they're in law school or even undergrad, because I've had that experience before I was the first person in my, my immediate family to go to undergrad. And it was a completely new experience for me. And it was, you know, I had to fake it till I made it. (laughs) (laughs) And like I said, if I can make that experience a little more, uh, a little easier, um, a little more enriching for someone else, then I'm, I'm happy to do it. But especially with regard to the law, um, you know, young female attorneys, young Latina attorneys, um, you know, to kind of get over that feeling that, that you're alone and you can't ask questions, um, and just to how to be, comfortable in a room full of, of, of people when you're in a male dominated profession. Oh, I can't even imagine. So that's, <laughs> oh, it's wonderful that, that, you know, that you, that you want to do that. And hopefully that the people watching can reach out to you and, and please feel free to do so. Yes, um, absolutely. <laughs> you can reach out to Vanessa directly or, or you can click on the link below, but Vanessa, I just, you know, I really want to thank you for, for coming in and sharing your story. And I know there's much more to it, but <laughs> you know, we, we look forward to continuing to get to know you and, and just building uh, these relationships together. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Uh, thank you so much. And we'll see you again soon. See you soon.